0: Hello, you are listening to Spinalpedia's Life After Paralysis Podcast. My name is Tiffany Carlson, and I am your host. Thank you so much for joining. This is going to be an excellent podcast, you guys. We're going to talk about service dogs after a spinal cord injury. This is such an important topic um, just because I think a lot of people are intimidated about getting a dog, especially those with higher-level injuries. Uh, We think that it might be too much work, and many of us just put it off for years, and then it's funny, when many of us finally get that dog, it's life-changing. So I'm gonna be talking with three people for this podcast. We're gonna be speaking with Erin, who is a recent college graduate and has a service animal, a service dog, and we're gonna be speaking, and she's from Minnesota, by the way, and we're gonna be speaking with Allie, who has a new service dog, and it's just changed her life. And then we're going to also end the podcast with Dan from San Diego, who has a service doc and has had three and has a lot of uh, information to share about Canine Companions for uh, Independence. I think that's the full name. But we're going to get all of the full, uh, eh, sorry, nonprofit names and links uh, later on. So just stay tuned. And we're going to start the show with Aaron. So thanks again for listening, everybody. And yeah, enjoy the show. Hey everybody, so our first guest is Erin. She's a quadriplegic and she also has a service dog here and I don't know literally anything else about her except that she lives in Minnesota and I'm from Minnesota, so it's kind of crazy. So hey Erin, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Awesome. This is so crazy. So your mom introduced me to you on Care, Care Uh and she said, hey, my daughter Erin has a service dog and she's coming back to Minnesota after graduating from college. So first of all, congratulations on your graduation. Yeah, thank
1: you. Graduated in less than four years. So. Well, that's awesome.
0: <laughs> so what's your degree in?
1: Um, I have a degree in journalism and a minor in sociology.
0: Oh, well, that's kind of what I got—a a mass communications degree. So, that's cool. So, before we get into the dog conversation, can, you wanted to talk a little bit just about your level of injury and how long you've been injured and that kind of thing. Sure.
1: Um, so, I was injured almost ten years ago um, in August. Okay. And so, I now I'm functioning at a C5 C6. Um, level and I was injured from a diving accident
0: okay okay. um
1: yeah right before my seventh grade year so um when people talk about like an awkward middle middle school experience like mine was very awkward oh my gosh
0: (laughs) wow right before seventh grade so when you say you're at a functioning at c6 now was it hard in the beginning were you more at a higher level
1: yeah, I believe my injury was at a C4, C5, oh, and cool. so okay. it was a complete injury, so I didn't expect any return necessarily, yeah. and at the time, I mean, I was 12, so right. I didn't like, fully
0: understand what a spinal cord injury was. Right? Um, well, who does, even at 40?
1: Mm-hmm. well exactly and mm-hmm. so when they're like oh you have a spinal cord injury I'm
0: like okay great
1: but I don't really know what that means <laughs> so I've been kind of like relearning like what this disability means like for all of my 10 years of having it oh, um, which is crazy in itself yeah um but yeah so uh they didn't expect any return but um okay. you know one day I started moving my wrist when we were doing some like E stem exercises cool. and stuff and they're like They're like, girl, you've got, you know, some wrist movement. That's good stuff. And I'm like, really? It's like, why? You know, I have no idea that, you know, moving your wrist is so important. I know. You know, being able to grip in the slightest, you
0: know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So, that happened at the Easton. Was that something months or years after your injury? Just for people that are probably curious about doing it themselves.
1: Sure. Um, Yeah. So, it happened, I maybe like two months into rehab after my accident. So I was in the ICU for about a week, yeah. and then I went to Gillette Children for rehab for about three months.
0: And then if the e stim is that just like an electrical stimulation they set up with like the, the little sticky pads all over you?
1: Yep, it's just like one of the little
0: handheld ones. Okay. Yep. Wow, that's so cool. I'm glad that you got some more functions. So, which leads us, you know, because you know, into the docs eventually when we talk about that in a few minutes here. But because you know, when you have a higher level injury, obviously having you need more help with a lot of stuff. So I bet you know when you were injured, what was your independence like? And I mean, are you able to take care of yourself? Do you need a PCA or what's kind of how are how is your independence now?
1: Yeah, so my independence now I feel like escalated a lot when I was in college, not just because like, you know, they're like, oh, you're in college, you should be independent. It was more like, you're moving from Minnesota to, you know, Arizona, and you have to figure this out right now. Oh, <laughs> so I was kind huge. of just drop into it. Wow. And I had PCAs before then in high school and everything, but yeah. they were more casual. And like my family helped me out a lot. Oh, yeah. So yeah. when I went to Arizona, it was like, I had no idea what I was doing for a while. Wow. You know? Wow. Um,
0: that's crazy. Did, yeah, you, did, so, you, did they find you PCAs on campus or did you find your own PCAs?
1: Yeah, so University of Arizona is a pretty good program where uh, the Disability Resource Center is able to kind of channel certain students that are going into degrees that are related to um, medicine or, you know, therapy or physical therapy, that type of thing. And they're yeah. able to kind of follow it to students that need PCAs. Oh, wow, cool. And so, in the beginning, before I started knowing a lot of people at the U, mm-hmm. um, they were mainly physiology students. So yeah. a lot of students that were either going to be uh, PAs or doctors or whatever the case. Oh may yeah,
0: be. oh yeah, that's great. That's so nice, you know. And a lot of times too, I've noticed that schools prefer you to find uh, another student to be your PCA sometimes versus mm-hmm. uh, someone outside just for campus safety. I think. Or did you get that at all at your school?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that was like a a huge thing. You know, we tried to do the whole Craig was looking for a PCA thing and Mm -hmm. that was it wasn't good. That can be shot. We were in such a yeah like we were in such a foreign part of the country too and so yeah. it was just it wasn't good so we would rather be with students for well
0: sure. that's awesome first of all hats off to you for leaving out of state as a, just a you know quadriplegic and making it work that's awesome i would have been too afraid to do that i have the almost the same level of injury as you and i stayed in minnesota and went to augsworth because but going to arizona <laughs> I, I bet that was just so nice to be in the warm weather huh
1: Oh, yeah, it was amazing. And I, you know, in high school, my dream school was UCLA. Ooh, and yeah. so I always had this dream of going somewhere warm, you know, like us quads, like we're like lizards, like oh. if we're in the sun, we're happy. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> so true. <laughs> so, so I for sure wanted to go somewhere warm. And, you know, U of A is known as having one of the best disability resource centers oh, in the country. And so yeah. that was a huge. Push yeah.
0: for me to go there. Oh man, so, yeah. that's awesome. Um, so you moved back to Minnesota. So you're planning on staying in the, mid- mid- the Midwest for a while, or your employment just waiting Or do you have a job lined up?
1: Yeah. So the job thing has been a mess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, before I graduated, I thought people would be falling at my feet to try to hire me, and you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But that's not the case. And not just even for you know new like new graduates. Oh who yeah. don't Have a disability. The with a disability is ten times worse um, and from yeah. my experience. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I've been looking for a lot of job opportunities, mm-hmm. um, here in the Twin Cities. Um, I applied to a couple of jobs down in Tucson, okay. um, at the U of A, uh, DRC also. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that, that didn't really go anywhere. And I, um, I also have like a couple of things well, here that I need to get figured out. Well, yeah. Um, and like, once we kind of like started talking about the service dog thing. Yeah. My dog is kind of getting to the point of retirement. Oh, and no. so I just couldn't think of, you know, staying in Tucson and not having a dog. Oh, you know? my gosh. So,
0: wow. Well, that let's talk about that. So at what point then in your, you know, being, you know, having a spinal cord injury, did you start thinking about, wow, you know, maybe I should try to get a service dog?
1: Yeah, so this is kind of an epic story, I guess, and, like, my parents told me this, you know, maybe a couple of years later after my injury, but when I had been injured, I had my surgery to, like, stabilize my neck about 24 hours after I was injured, Uh so before I went into surgery, I asked my parents if I could get a puppy. Okay. So, (laughs) So, my parents were like, well, of course, we will buy you whatever you want, like, let's just you know, get through this surgery and we'll figure it out type thing. Aww. And so, ever since then, you know, it really stuck with my parents, obviously. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, when I was at Gillette Children's, they gave us a, b- a bunch of different, like, um, I guess, like, they started talking to us about the different service dogs that you um, can have trained for you kind of yep. thing um, in the state of Minnesota. And so, uh, we were kind of looking at Can Do Canines as one yeah, and helping yeah. pause. Yeah. And so... Those two organizations I started looking into a lot more, and I guess, um, you know. I just wanted a dog and then knowing that this dog could do like these amazing things and I wouldn't have to have, you know, my mom constantly with me or my sister picking up things for me. I that know, right? to me.
0: Yeah. So yeah. that's the huge thing I think for me too. Like if I would love the aspect of them being able to pick up off the floor and then put it on your lap because I think that by out of everything that they can do, that's probably one of the top three, huh?
1: Oh, for sure, and it's funny because like right before um, this interview, actually, uh-huh. I dropped my phone between my feet, uh-huh. and who picked
0: it up? It was my Aww, dog. Oh, <laughs> that's so cool. So, okay, so let's. So, how long did it take to get the, the a dog? Like, what organization did you pick? Was it Can Do Canines? Um, I went with Helping Paws. Okay, how come? And, it, yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I.
1: I really don't remember, honestly, why okay. we decided to go with Helping Paws. I know Helping Paws more focuses on, well, at the time, they focused primarily on mobility-trained dogs. Yeah. Um, and now they do um, PTSD training with their dogs for yeah. individuals who have been um,
0: in, the war in traumatic events. Or whatever, right, um, yep.
1: Yep, yep. And so back in the day, they only did mobility dogs. Right. Also back in the day... They only accepted applicants who were above the age of 18. Oh. Um, and at the time when I was looking into getting a dog, I think I was maybe 13 or 14. I don't know. I think, yeah, I was 13 or 14 around that time, kind okay. of in the eighth grade. Yeah. Um, and so during that time, you know, I was like, hey, like, you know, we reached out to helping paws and we knew about the age thing. You know, (laughs) but, you know, they had talked to us and they're like, you know what, the age thing is fine. You know, they had to set up this whole interview process just to make sure that they're putting this, you know, dog that's been training for three years with a foster home and all the money that goes into these dogs is crazy. And so they want to make sure that, you know, they're placing the dog with someone that, right um, is in a good household but the dog will be able to be used and yep. um but the life for the dog will actually be good you know that's
0: i'm glad so, they do that because you're right it costs tens of thousands of dollars to do it to, to create just get one dog ready for one person so yeah
1: exactly but yeah i mean i don't remember how long it was From my memory it wasn't that long like i wasn't on a waiting list all that long good. um I think they kind of had an idea of what kind of dog they wanted to poke in with. Um, and so yeah, I guess okay. okay. From my memory, it wasn't too long. So you but, yeah. sign
0: up like do you, is it like a do you have to go there in person and stuff and they kind of interview you to make sure that you're the, a good like, you know, person that they believe will be good with the dog or what's the what's the process like?
1: Yeah, and I guess the process was, you know, once again, a little blurry for me because it was, you know,
0: 11 years ago. Yeah, I know Um, you were a kid, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so it was, you know, a while ago, and I was in middle school, so... How much of it I was actually listening to, I'm not really sure. I was more concerned about getting the dog. Okay. But Mm -hmm. I've been going through the process again right now as I apply for a successor dog, which is obviously a dog that comes after your
0: current dog. Right. And
1: so through that form, you kind of are like filling out all these different things, you know, it's everything from, do you work? Would you bring your dog to work? If you weren't at home, you had to leave the dog at home. Where is your dog going? Oh. You know, if there was an emergency, are you able to take your dog somewhere? If not, who would be able to? Oh, so there's cool. this, like, extensive form you have to fill out, and then they come out and talk to you. And I wow. do remember the multiple times that they had come out to our house wow, and talk to me about that process. That's yeah. awesome.
0: So, oh, my gosh. So then... What's it like when you finally get paired with your dog? Is that a pretty awesome moment, or what? I bet it is <laughs> yeah, I mean
1: it it takes time, and mm-hmm. I didn't really understand that about the process was that you know, in my head, it was like they just give you a dog, and that's it. Oh no, it's like this whole process was oh. like you know it's kind of cliche, but the dog definitely chooses you okay, and so I was kind of in there um kind of like a warehouse type building and so in the back is where all the training happens Yeah, and so in that back area I was training with multiple dogs and some of those were you know golden retrievers and other were labs Mm -hmm. and so I was training with all those dogs and you just instantly knew when a dog wasn't going to work for you it would almost just totally ignore you Ugh. and so mm. it was it was crazy and so you would work with them on different cues and see which dog works for you and basically it came down to two dogs it was yeah. a golden retriever named rio mm-hmm. and then a chocolate lab named mia and the chocolate lab named mia uh I guess decided to choose me.
0: So Aww. yeah, she's my dog. So you have a chocolate lab and chocolate labs are adorable. I've, I like all labs, but chocolate labs I mean, do you think chocolate labs have a different temperament versus a golden lab or does it really matter?
1: You know, I'm not really sure. I know helping paws usually prefers um yellow labs for the most part. Okay. Um but I know Mia's litter in particular, they were all pretty energetic. And so, I don't know if that has something to do with it, but Mia was definitely, and she still is to this day, she's just a very active dog, and I think that's why they felt comfortable placing her with me. Is because I definitely was the youngest applicant they've ever
0: had. Yeah. They felt
1: comfortable putting younger gal with a younger Absolutely. dog that's that makes super sense. energetic.
0: And that makes sense. Oh my god, that's so cute. I wish you guys were adorable back when you guys were both young little sprites together. <laughs> uh, so, so kind of go over everything that your dog does for you, because I we already talked about the lab thing, but but for people that are like, well, what the, what do these service dogs do for for quads? I mean, you can use your arms, but there's you can still need a lot of help with stuff. So why don't you kind of go through the list? Sure.
1: Yeah, so um, it's kind of funny because the way Helping and Paws works is that once you're placed as a dog, you go through a couple of weeks of training. Okay. And so you kind of go in um, a couple hours a day for three weeks, and basically the team at Helping and Paws trains you how to be with your dog. Okay. And so the dog has been trained, and it's ready to be with you, but you need to be trained now on how you, you know, make your dog work.
2: Mm. And so
1: – during this process, you learn this long list of cues. And helping Todd uses the word "cues" instead of "commands." Because I can't remember the reason, but I think it just sounds so much better because you're oh, working with your dog. You're not commanding it to do something. I like you know? that. Absolutely, the dog is always so willing. Mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I love so it. basically, yeah, it's, it's a good one. So basically, you would learn these uh, this like long list of cues. Everything from you know picking up things off the ground to, you know, opening a door, turning on and off lights. And so there's this really long list because depending on the person's mobility needs, it'll change from dog to dog. Mm. Um, So basically during that time, we trained with everything that we could do physically. And then as you work with your dog, they kind of fall um, fall to the wayside as you know what you need from your dog, your dog knows what it needs to do type thing. And so, right now and as like um we you know we were partners in crime in the last you know 11 years yeah, and everything you yeah. know the main things that Mia does for me are definitely picking up things yeah. you know I don't have finger movement and like as you know <laughs> I <laughs> you know a lot mm-hmm. of things oh, you know yeah. <laughs> I mean it's just it seems constant this morning i dropped like five things <laughs> so, <laughs> so Mia was ready to go yep um, that's
0: how it is and you have to have extreme patience just to deal with that but that's a whole other podcast
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Full hour long, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so she can pick up everything. I mean, she picks up my phone. She can pick up a credit card. She can pick up books. it, it you know, she can really pick up anything. And That's as awesome. She's been wow. getting older. She's really figured out how to pick up Certain things that are very unique to me, like I love makeup. I do my makeup a lot, mm-hmm. and she knows not to, you know, bite the bristles on my brush. Wow. She always grabs the handle. Are okay. you kidding? That's
0: <laughs> yeah. pretty good. Wow, cute. That's so cute. Yeah, Aww. yeah. So she does
1: a lot. And so besides picking up things, she also turns off lights, turns on lights. She can hit buttons out in public when they're in a stupid position. Like oftentimes, you know they'll put a piece of, um, like, a, a trash bin or something right in front of the button to get into oh, the yeah. store. That's so, really, like, yeah. Mia will be able to put her arm, or, like, not her arm, <laughs> mm-hmm. her paws up on the trash to be really? able to press the button for me oh, to go inside. Yeah. That's pretty smart. And so she Yeah, and, I mean, sometimes she's a little tempted by trash or, you know, food, but they're trained not to, so, oh my you gosh. know, that's a huge
0: thing. I love that. But I yeah. know. It's so, that's so smart. And does she sleep with you at night, or does she have her own little kennel thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're trained to be in the kennel, and they say, you know, in the foster home, they're not trained to sleep on the bed. Uh But Mia definitely sleeps with me. Uh It's like the best thing ever. She usually just, you know, sleeps kind of on my back. Like most nights we lay back to back, and she has like a little snore. Uh It's so soothing.
0: Uh Oh, my God. So if, let's say you're in the middle of the night, and I don't know if you're alone at night. It sounds like you might be, which is you and me. Uh, you're Mia. And so if you needed, like, mm-hmm. something, could she grab something for you from the kitchen, like a, something out of the refrigerator? Yeah,
1: I guess I've never really tried. <laughs> usually, you know, like, I was um, alone in my apartment all throughout college, and mm-hmm. so I had never
0: i never like woke up and needed something okay i'm just like that would be really cool because i like you know can't get out of bed and like i get really hungry in the middle of the night and i usually make sure my pca has like everything by my bed but it would be kind of a lot to ask a dog to go get like a can of coke out of the fridge not that i would want that but i know that dogs can get cans of beers out of the fridge i saw that once on tv i was like that's really funny
1: Oh yeah, you see those pictures all the time on Facebook, (laughs) you know, and like um, the thing that's really great about helping cows and a lot of these places that train dogs is that if you need a certain um, cue, they will help you train the dog to do that, and so Mia has all these different tools to be able to learn these different things that you may need throughout the day, Um, so she knows how to pick up things, and she knows where the fridge is, and she knows how to open the door, so it's just kind of connecting the dots. So she would be able to learn how to do that. It's just a matter of taking the time to be able to train her to do that.
0: So you were saying earlier about how she's going to be retiring soon. So how old is she now? Is Ten years or around, you said? She's 11. 11. Yeah. So how do you know it's time for um, Mia to retire? Do they let you know, or do you have to kind of wait to see that she's a little bit slower?
1: Yeah. So it's been a huge learning process for me because – there isn't really a time of when they say your dog retires. Okay. So it's kind of a conversation that you have more than an end time. Oh. And so toward the end of college, when I was about to graduate, I noticed a couple of things that were different about Mia. Her hearing is a little weird. It's, you know, I don't know if her ear- hearing is going or if that is selective hearing. <laughs> but the trainers have told me in the past that once your dog kind of has selective hearing or like, doesn't really want to work that's usually the time when they retire and whether you know it's that they physically don't want to work or if they have aches that's kind of the time that like you start kind of weaning them off of you which sounds kind of weird (sighs) but when you're with this dog all the time you kind of have to like make them be a dog again oh my god weird
0: yeah yeah,
1: so it's pretty crazy and so Mm -hmm. to me I was like okay I'm going to graduate from college, I'm coming back to Minnesota, I'll be near helping pause, and so I started that conversation Mm -hmm. once I moved home, Mm -hmm. and so that conversation kind of consisted of, you know, me talking to the trainer that kind of deals with the North Metro, and so I talked with her for a while about it, and I was kind of telling her what I was seeing. Mia started flipping on the floors really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, She had a knee surgery last summer, and I think that knee surgery kind of, um, you know, kind of made her slide more because her knee is good, but it's not how it was, you know, and so, Uh. yeah, so it's a bunch of these different cues that I had to kind of watch for, you know, it just seemed like it was kind of her time, and I don't think you know when their time is until... You know, the dog kind of tells you, you know, how the dog chooses you. Well, they kind of choose when they want to be done to.
0: So now, is that what you're in the process of doing then?
1: Yep. And so, I um, went down to talk to the trainer at the training facility, and I kind of talked to her about, you know, what I continued to see with Mia, and she Uh definitely was like, yeah, I think it's her time to start becoming just a normal dog and fully retired. And so... Then that was my time where I filled out the successor palette or Aww. the successor packet. You're right, right. And um, I'm kind of in I'm at, I, I like moved to the top of the list. Okay. Good. Um, as far as like who is able to receive a dog net. Okay. And so I'm at the top oh. and so that means oh. they don't place dogs in the winter because of the weather, you know, it's gonna go. Oh, up. <laughs>
0: really? Okay. So you have to wait <laughs> till next they,
1: year. Yeah, and so they place dogs in the spring, and, but okay. you start training and trialing different mm-hmm. dogs before then. Oh, um, okay. So she said even if um, a lot of those dogs are golden retrievers, and I don't know if I necessarily want a golden retriever because of the hair and the maintenance with that, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but she said, you know, it's definitely a good idea to come in and train with those dogs, and maybe want clicks, and, you know, that would be your dog type thing. That's so kind
0: of in the the process that I'm in right now. Oh my gosh! Well, good job, Mia. She did, does a great job for all those years for you. She deserves yeah, like, definitely. like the like a good retirement, kind of like with like a nice pool and other cool dogs to hang out with or something. Oh, she swims
1: in the pool all the
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's she's so. It's, it's kind of bittersweet, but I'm glad that she's you know gets to have a nice retirement and that that you know so that's kind of nice at least you know they don't just keep working. Yeah, for sure. So we'll also. Awesome. You know, thank you so much, Aaron, for sharing your story with us. We have to kind of unfortunately end things right now, but good luck with finding a new dog. I'm sure you're going to find a beautiful new animal. I can't wait to hear all about it. Maybe we'll have you on next spring when you find a new dog and we can talk about that process. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I would love to do that. Okay. And good luck too finding a job. I know what it was like getting out of college with a mass comm degree and being a quad, but you're lucky now. The internet has so many jobs, so you'll be able to find something for sure. Yeah, it's definitely a long process,
1: but you need to find that
0: right place. You, know? you will you will oh my God. I so I yeah, how are you twenty or are you twenty one? Are you older than that? I'm 22. You're 22. Oh, my God. You're such a young girl. All right. Well, thanks again, Eri, and good luck, and I'll just talk to you later, okay? Okay. All right. Thank thank you. you. Yep. Bye. Hey everybody, so we are on to our second guest for the show, and we have a returning guest, Allie. She uh, has um, a brand new, not super super brand new, but she recently got a service animal, and so she um, said it's changed her life, and I bet it has, so I'm really excited to talk to her about it. So, hey Allie, how are you? I am great, Tiffany. How are you? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Now, I know you've been on the show before, but for anyone that's, like, listening, can you just give us a little a little bit about, like, where you're from, how old you are, and your um, level of injury?
3: Sure, sure. Um, so, I am Allie, and I am from Toledo, Ohio. I am 32. Whoa, well, yep, I'm 32 now. Mm-hmm. And I am a quadriplegic. I am ac C67-C67 from a car accident about
0: five years ago okay right yeah so you're not like you haven't you have been paralyzed for five years that's right i always forget you haven't been paralyzed for that long i mean five years is kind of long but it's still not super long i guess in the world of being paralyzed but awesome so thanks for sharing again so Um, So you've been paralyzed for only five years, which means you're you're kind of like new to having even a dog since I know your dog is new. But let's kind of go back to when you first maybe started thinking about getting a service animal. Now, I think a lot of times when you're first injured, people bring up the idea kind of right away. Was that something that happened to you or how did you come upon the idea of maybe thinking about getting one?
3: So when I was still in rehab at the University of Michigan in, inpatient, um, a peer mentor came through the Reeves Foundation, and she had a service dog, okay. and at that point, I wasn't quite, uh, I didn't have the mental capacity to even understand what was going on with myself, so I wasn't quite ready to take on the idea of having an animal of any sort, but um, it was always kind of put in a pocket of my mind that, you know, it, it wouldn't be... I wouldn't have to be as isolated as I was making myself think. And right. watching that, you know, just, just be with her dog and how attentive the dog was to her, it just kind of never left my mind. I so know. a um. couple of years in, I started to kind of look into getting one.
0: Okay. Okay, so cool. So when you were you a dog person before your injury?
3: Um, my family and I, we had one family dog growing up, and his name was Bunny. Mm-hmm. And he passed away when I was, like, uh, it was several years before the accident happened, but he was kind. Of, he wasn't mine. He was more. He he like took over my brother and I's place to my parents. So uh-huh. he was like on the pedestal in the house. We were like we quickly became my brother and I quickly became like second class citizens in the house. With the dogs. So I've never had one.
0: Of my own. Okay. Oh my gosh. So that must have been so cool. So when you're, you're in Ohio. So when you decided, you know, after a couple of years of going home and getting back into a normal routine of life, what, what were your organization choices out there in Toledo?
3: Um, actually, I was really lucky in Toledo. We have the ability center here in town mm-hmm. and um, assistance dogs for achieving independence is one of their programs, oh, cool. um, which is truly a phenomenal program. Um, and I had been loosely communicating with the Ability Center throughout um, the initial years after the injury. And then I finally just bit the bullet and called ADAI, and they brought me in for an interview within the next couple weeks. And um, it was a pretty – it was a, you know, a really extensive interview. They yeah. did a full needs assessment to see, you know, what um, what areas the dog would really be able to help me in. And um, they were – Fantastic to work with. Yeah. And um, then I was just placed on the waiting list, and it was the longest two and a half year wait of my life. Whoa! So Second,
0: worth it. Wow, that's a long wait. So you had so first before I go into the wait. So when they ask you all these questions, it's an in person interview, right? Yes. Yep. Wow. And so you said it was a few hours, or do you have to go back and do it a few days and talk to a bunch of people?
3: It was, the initial interview, I believe, was about an hour and a half. Um, But that's probably because I don't ever shut up and I talk so much. (laughs) Although, um, I mean, the the needs assessment, I mean, they want to know every aspect of your life so they can keep their eyes peeled for an ideal dog match for you. So it's not like the dogs are just born and raised and we're all in line to just get whoever. I mean, they, they got to know me very well, as you know, almost arguably as well as I get to know the puppies, and then um, as soon as uh, Jordan, who is their super awesome client coordinator, uh, came across Taylor, who yeah. is my service coochie, um, they knew that we would pretty much be a match made in heaven. So Aww. about a year, um, well, I think Taylor was about two when I first met her. Okay. And they, come, they had me come in again, and I thought it would just be for an update interview. Aww. But um, I worked with Taylor for, we went through a few different queues together, and we were just immediately a match. So then the whole staff came out and I was starting to get nervous because they were you know, watching me uh-huh. ask her to put things up and open up doors. And uh-huh. I mean, they're all just staring at me and I'm like, oh God, oh God, oh God. And they're like, how would you like to graduate with Taylor this fall? Oh. So I immediately started ugly crying and oh. accepted a thousand times. Our uh-huh. birthdays are a week apart. She what? was a little class clown, just <laughs> like I was. He's got little puppy ADD, and we're
0: I love her. I love her. Oh, so okay, so uh, so just so everybody can hear the organization again, which is the name of the organization that you chose. If, um, assistance dogs for achieving independence oh yeah i've heard of them now um i didn't um I, I wasn't sure if i if you don't mind asking or i'm sorry mind telling us but now was this organization is it a is it a longer wait because they do give dogs away for free or do you have to like raise some money for your your animal through them sure.
3: um i did have to pay two thousand for the dog yeah um but um i think that the reason that the wait takes so long is you know like i said for them to First, you know, match you up with an ideal dog. They kind of, yeah. they they have you know a list of all of us that are in need, and then they kind of scope out puppies to see who would be a better fit. You know, right. harder working dogs, right. more loyal, lovey dogs. Oh yeah, um, you know. Just different little personality meshes that they can
0: create. That's so cool that they're smart enough to um, the the trainers are to really cue in on what you know which dog would go best with the clients. So, but that takes a keen eye and and stuff. Um, has it ever? Did they ever tell you? I mean, you since you've only this is your first dog, right? You have, so you haven't really had an experience uh, with other ones. But maybe do you know anything about? Well, let's say they maybe place the dog with the wrong client. Did they tell you if that? If that happened, what would occur if that did happen?
3: I asked all of those guys. Yeah, all of those. Questions I'm just kind of curious. Um, yeah, they had, they've never had to take a dog back. They've never made a a bad pair um, in the experience okay. that I cool. um, that when I had asked Jordan about it. Um, mm-hmm. and they, I mean, there's a. Uh, I think they they just take so much care into yeah. making sure that you understand the responsibilities that comes with a dog. And, I mean, they, they covered everything from A to Z with That's me great. from, you know, uh, looking at how to groom the dog to putting her vest on to feeding her. So it can all come from me being the handler right. after they kind of hand, hand the reins over to me from the trainers.
0: That's awesome. Well, they know what they're doing. And I was going to ask, too, just a little bit. I know you said you paid 2000 Is that so, if let's say you know you have a disability and you're thinking about getting a service dog. It seems like most of these nonprofits do require a little bit of money, right? Or I'm not quite sure. I don't know a lot about this. Just so if someone has to maybe save up, they probably should, huh?
3: I w- I would imagine so. I mean, there has to be grants or something out there that can help you. Uh, yeah. I was super fortunate. I just started kind of pocketing away a little bit of money every right. month until I could get to that mark because you know how hard it is. Yeah. You know, being on disability and everything. Yeah. So I was all, you know, worried about that aspect, but I mean, I think that it's so, they told me that, that you know, over $24,000 have been invested in this dog already. That's so what the they same. say, yeah. I mean, there's just, and I know that, you know, for people that, you know, would need like, Go fund me, and people would, you could so easily get a fund quickly through any kind of social, Absolutely, I don't know what I would have done if I wouldn't have, but I'm also at my parents' house, so it's a little easier for me to save
0: up some money. Okay, okay. See, yeah, and you can get creative, and I think there are grants out there for sure. I'm probably going to research before I put the podcast up, so maybe if anyone's listening, they can click and look into it, too, because... It, you know, it's it's good to know, but that's awesome. I don't think you know two thousand is not that much in the grand scheme of things, especially considering like what the what you know um uh, Taylor, your service dog, does for you. So I was gonna maybe talk about that next if you don't mind, because I think not that's that's really exciting. I mean, for a lot of people, that's what they're most interested in, because I bet you get a lot of questions about what Taylor does for you. And so, what was like going before you got Taylor? Let's start with this. Like, what were you? hoping that service dog would would be able to do for you and what was like the reality of what Taylor could really actually do for you
3: I I was going in kind of blind and just watching like Facebook videos of various service dogs and thought if she could do a fraction of any of those things Uh uh, I would be happy but my biggest thing with her is I knew it would give me restored confidence and yeah. I yeah. would, it would have more purpose. I oh, mean, yeah I need her as much as she would need me. Yeah. So yeah. it was more of like a metaphysical need before cool. I even really thought about what physical things you can See, do to help me.
0: That is cool. And I think a lot of people don't realize that's another huge part of having a therapy or a service animal. It's not just about them pulling on a rope to open the door for you, you know. Even right, though, right? right. That's so cool. So, okay. So, what are like some of the things that Taylor, you know, you know, on a, a, a typical day? It, it, I know you were just saying about how it's just having her there and your guys ha- ha- taking care of her. But like, you know, what are are there any kind of little practical things that do make a difference in your everyday life that she's able to do for you too? Oh, I
3: mean, when I go, I'm, a, I'm terrible about going through my mail. It's a great example. So I let my mail like stockpile on my desk for. Probably too long of an amount of time, uh, and by the time I have to go through it, it's almost all garbage. So I will tell her to take it, and she goes right over by the garbage and she drops it right in the garbage. <laughs> I also need to manage paper with my hands, oh, okay. so um, even if I drop an envelope, she'll use her little paw to be able to get it back up, and she'll put it right back on my lap or right in between my fingers. Um, so then she'll pull open. My desk drawers, so I can keep anything that I need to keep in my files. That's good. Uh, she can push the drawer shut for me. She can pick up. Uh, she can pick up anything. That's I mean, so wow. cool. I mean, the my uh, the door to get in and out of my house, access doors out in public.
0: That's nuts. Um, That's great. Can she pick up uh, a quarter or a, a coin off the ground?
3: The, the smallest thing that I've had her pick up. You know, the water bottles that have like kind of almost like the
0: flat lid. Oh yeah, those lids. Yep, yep. Those are hard. Yes,
3: yeah, yeah they, they are very hard, even for able-bodied people fully functioning. <laughs> no. that's small, the smallest thing that she's been able to pick up for me. That I, but she's also been able to pick up my debit card off the ground, which oh, is flatter geez. than one of those lids.
0: Oh my god, that's pretty cool. And does she sleep with you at night? she sleeps right on
3: top of me her sweet little head is right on my chest
0: every night <laughs> oh my god i recently found out I mean, she probably since you're a lower level quadriplegic you may not need help with this but i was super impressed that i heard that some service dogs can actually assist with like transfers and stuff which is cool does she as, as,
3: as we ran through that um during our training Our couple weeks of training we ran through mm-hmm. to, um we, we haven't and I. I haven't personally practiced it at home yet, Yeah. Um, but she would be able to get my legs on
0: the bed after I transfer in. That is so awesome. Like, for me, as my is. legs are so heavy. You know, when you're paralyzed, your legs feel like they're 100 pounds. So that's really cool. Wow. So, okay, so what, um, so when you, like, there's so many questions I have. So let's start, like, when you're out in public, because I know, I didn't put this on the list of questions, but I just was thinking about this, because I know, like, when you're out and about. With your with Taylor, and you know, people respect that she's a service animal. But have you ever run across anyone that wasn't too cool? And how did how do you deal with those situations?
3: You see, that that is something that Taylor and I struggle with every day because yeah. she's such a social, lovable girl, and I it took it. It's, I'm having a hard time drawing those lines in the sand where I let her not be social and be social. I mean, for the I would say a good ninety-five percent of people are very respectful and just kind of understand that she's working and she is mine, and they can kind of they can kind of tell if you know if we're sitting somewhere and I'm I am like petting Taylor, or she's hopped up on my chair and I'm giving her loving or something, then I always so you know if if you would like to pet her, you're more than welcome to, um, but that's you know it's it's all personal preference. I want her to experience all of the love that i know that she'll get but at the same time stay focused just on me but i'm lucky in that regard because if i drop something or if she hears the click of my chair she beams over and looks at me like well mom what's happening where are we going
0: (laughs) how is she this is kind of a funny little question but how is she picking up food that you drop because i always feel so bad for service dogs that have to pick up food and then give it to you because you know they want to eat it
3: (laughs) well okay so I must confess, and I do apologize to anybody from ADAI who might listen, <laughs> but I never have some popcorn, okay? Mm-hmm. And so what do you know, the first two places we go to, right after I do that, they have popcorn all over their floor. Oh, no. And I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> so that was a little bit of a struggle, I and mean, I tell her, to, you know, I tell her to leave it, <laughs> um, but unfortunately, that's very confusing for her. Yeah. She knows that I do the tour. <laughs> So, I try to just keep moving and okay. reinforce her. I always carry my treat pouch around with me everywhere, right. and just reinforce, you know, to leave it. And it might take her a few seconds, um, sometimes several seconds, but she will eventually stop. Okay. She, you know, she does know in the back of her popcorn-loving little mind that <laughs> um, I am her priority. Right. See, it's, it's just patience and being assertive in my voice and. And sticking to what I'm saying, and not, you know, changing my mind. And well, okay, you can have that.
0: Right. You know, it's like keeping her up. So sorry, go ahead. Oh no, that's
3: no, that's been Just keeping her little self focused.
0: Wow, well, that, um, that's that's awesome. Trying not
3: to eat all the popcorn. So that's that's her personal struggle right now.
0: Well, I think it's cute that um. Well, when dogs are really good at it. So I was at a wheelchair repair clinic, and a man and with a service dog was showing off his dog's skills and he took out his treat pouch. The treat pouch spilled over and all the treats landed on the carpet. And then he and I was like, "Are you going to make up make your dog pick up the treats?" And he's like, "That might be a little hard to do." So my my PCA picked up the treats for the dog cuz I don't know if the dog would have been able to do that. I <laughs> you
3: know, I had a similar experience, but she did great just leaving it alone. Oh, she did. Good. And then yeah i mean there was like a good 15 or 20 little like weird oyster cracker treats that she loved on the ground (laughs) so eventually i was like i feel so bad i'm not going to be able to pick them up and i was home alone because of course Mm -hmm. now that i have her i can be alone for much more extended amount
0: of time really so i did totally save and i let her eat them that's adorable so what but i let's talk about that too because i think that's pretty cool so i know like staying home For a longer period of time, because Taylor's in your life—is that just for the psychology factor of not feeling alone? You mean, or is that or what else is there? Something more to that too?
3: I mean, guessing if I dropped my phone, um, you know, if I dropped my phone and heaven forbid something happened, I wouldn't have a way to let anybody know. Yeah. Um, So with her, I mean, she as soon as she hears my phone drop, she could be across the on the entire other side of the house. That's true. Runs over, picks it up. Um, and then, too, even if we want to go for a little stroll outside just around the neighborhood, um, I've got her, I've got my phone, so I can just, you know,
0: go to places alone. That's nice, um, yeah. It's like a roommate. It's just like, it's like having a roommate that checks in on you, you know, make sure everything's okay. <laughs> and really, except
3: for the puppy parts,
0: I actually, I would never even want a roommate now. I just want her. Oh, my gosh. So do you have a PCA or do you uh, do all of your own cares? I do have a PC. Okay, so. I have a, a
3: couple different ones throughout the week, actually.
0: So how do you manage that? Like, do you let your PCs do any of the taking the dog out and go to the bathroom or do you try to do all of that?
3: I try to do all of it. Of course, that's pretty impossible. Like, first thing in the morning when I'm in bed. Oh, right, um, yeah. And all of my PCs have been, I mean, she loves all of them. They're They've all quickly become her aunts as well. Aww. And um, she does a great job just going outside, going potty. She comes right back in, Aww. right back in my room, and plops her sweet little self right down by me <laughs> probably would love to sleep for like six more hours. But...
0: Cute. And so is Taylor, she's a golden lab? Yes. Yeah. Yep, she's uh, 50-50. So she's um, half, retreat- half golden retriever
3: and half labrador retriever.
0: And have you taken any plane trips yet with her? i have not okay i actually i haven't flown since my injury so oh, okay. i would be super
3: interested to see we did do um a uh, uh, city bus simulation in our training class okay and um she did great for that i mean she does really good um you know walking indoors and being oh. attentive to me i mean i gotta i let her go through first and then she turns around and <laughs> backs up and lets me scoot in the doorway it's Oh
0: my god, it's adorable. Oh, she sounds so cute. She sounds I have always loved even before I broke my neck, I've always liked Glabs, golden or I'm sorry, golden retrievers. I think they're just the sweetest things. Oh my gosh. So and um and so and and I know I was talking to someone else for this podcast there and her dog is actually close to retirement and They say that after around 10 or 11 years, you can kind of tell when your dog doesn't want to, um, should be retired when the dog is getting like little, like less interested in helping, which I thought was really interesting, but I'm glad that Taylor is fresh in your life. So she'll be around for a a super long time. So that's cool. Oh my gosh. So I'm going to clone her. I'm totally cloning her. Cloning her. You know, Barbara Streisand, (laughs) she cloned her dog at some weird clinic over in China. I saw this news thing about it and. Coster, you probably saw the news. It's a a real thing. It's a real thing. You can clone your dog, but when you do get your clone dog, it's never like quite the same. The personality is not quite the same because that's impossible to replicate. But the dog will look the same though, so it's weird. Wow. I know. But anyway, so I, I would love some advice before I let you go for anyone that's um you know listening, thinking about getting a service dog. What are some like recommendations or just some advice that you would give to someone that you know they should really think about before getting one
3: I was so nervous and scared I didn't think that I would be able to handle it I didn't think that I had enough mobility to deal with it myself um but I was wrong mm-hmm. um I mean everything we kind of you know we rolled with the punchers at first just like it was you know it was like bringing home another you know coming home in the wheelchair there were right. you know a lot of things that you had to adjust to but they all made sense they all we just put um chicken wire around my parents fence outside it was super cheap but it was super fast and it works out great she had somewhere to run all by herself Aww. um avai did a great job about supplying me with um several door tugs so i installed those all over the house around on the fridge and on Aye. the um you know exit and entrance doors in the house and you know they, they come knowing all of this stuff it's just a matter you just got to take the time to bond you know create the bond with your dog and that is by far the most rewarding experience i mean Mm. don't be nervous i mean i got over the nervousness of the first night we were home she put her little head on my chest when we went to bed Uh. and i knew that it was going to be fine i knew she was gonna i was worried about her being happy and worried about her missing her sister because she got to grow up Right. Her, her foster mom and then the, her foster mom and her foster mom's roommate had Taylor and her sister Sarah together so I was worried that she would be sad without Sarah oh and yeah lonely without Tess, her awesome foster mom and but it was just you know she, all she wants is to be loved and all I want is to be loved and she just wants to help and I just need help <laughs> oh so, it's just you know, just the overthinking was what got me more than anything. Everything else just fell into place.
0: Honestly, that's kind of my thing. I've overthought it. I don't have a service animal myself, but I've been around dogs since my injury, and I sometimes think that – Dogs, certain dogs have gotten bored with me because I can't walk. Like, like, great, I'm around stuck with this person in a wheelchair, and then someone comes around walking and they look like they're way more excited because they can take them outside and run around with them. And I sometimes am worried that if I get a service dog, they're probably already ready to be around wheelchair users, but I sometimes think that dogs find wheelchair users boring. Doesn't that sound stupid? I don't know why I think that. that.
3: No way. It doesn't. I feel that same way now. Haley loves my brother, loves all my friends, and they come over and she's all excited to see him, and right. all rambunctious, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, <laughs> like, he's happy when I, you know, when I come home and stuff, but it's a different kind of happy than one, Yeah, you know, so I'm still working on swallowing that pill, you know, because it is hard, but mm. it's all a part of, you know, knowing that I can't get off and just pick her up, and yeah, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's I know she's coming. You know, if if I'm calling her, my brother's calling her, she's coming to me. So <laughs> put that in your pipe and
0: smoke it. So. Uh, <laughs> you're funny. I love it. And you're right though too, though, because dogs really just want to be loved, just like kids, you know. And you're, they don't probably see disability at the end of the day. At least I hope most don't. Oh my gosh. Okay. So thank you so much, Allie. I think we've pretty much asked all the questions that I wanted to get out of you. Now, is there anything else you wanted to add before I let you go? I,
3: I would so highly encourage anybody to. She has given me a purpose, and I mean, we've become codependent on each other, and it changed. I wake up early in the mornings. I take her out for walks every day. It changed my life. She really has completely changed my life.
0: And also, too, when. I bet it's kind of nicer when you have a dog and the people are more apt to approach you because the wheelchair can be so weird, I think, and I think a dog can yeah. break that. We should talk about that another time. Uh, but. I mean,
3: that's, you're absolutely right. That's another I mean, the social component yeah. is just as important as the, you know, her being able to help me do various things. I know. It's I mean so- the Socially, she has made the biggest difference
0: in the world. Oh, my God. I love it. And people really need to, I think, take that home with, this, with the interview that we had because I know I can tell from just the way you're talking that she just changed her life so much. And so I think that's awesome because people really don't understand how life-changing a service animal can be. And really, you know, if you're thinking about it, seriously consider it. And it might take two and a half years, but it's worth it. So thank yeah. you again, Allie. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Oh my gosh! You're
0: so welcome. Too. Alrighty, we'll have a great rest of the day, and I'll probably have you on the show again at some point. So have a great one. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks okay, Yeah. You too. So hey guys, we're um, on the last guest for our show this month and we have Dan from Oceanside, California. And I found him on Instagram. He's a quadriplegic too. And he has this beautiful dog named Nara. And that is really all I know. So we're going to find out everything else about him and where he got Nara from and what she does for him uh, right now. So hey, Dan, welcome to uh, the little podcast. How are you?
4: I'm um, well, how are you? I'm
0: uh, doing great. I'm doing great. You're out in Oceanside, California, so I wanna know how's Oceanside right now? I bet it's beautiful as always.
4: Well, today it's actually we got a cloudy coverage, which we have not been getting, so it's nice to get a little break from the from the sun. Yeah, I know. And the
0: heat. Yeah, yeah. As a quad that actually is the truth of it, isn't it? It can be too overwhelming. I have to go in the shade all the time, so
4: yeah, it seems like I have to go from shade to shade a lot of times.
0: It sucks, but that's cool that you're out there and a beautiful part of the country. And so if you want to like share just a little bit of a backstory, if you don't mind. I know you live in California, but how old are you? What's your level of injury?
4: Um, I am 49 years old right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, my birthday is up in a couple of weeks.
0: Oh, happy birthday. Or right.
4: actually, sorry, a couple of weeks, a month. Okay, right. sorry. cool. Um, I'm jumping the gun. <laughs> um, I've... I, I broke my neck uh, in uh, when I was in with, living in Wisconsin when I was 16 years old. Wow! I dove in the shallow end of a pool and uh,
0: mm-hmm.
4: and uh, broke my fifth and sixth vertebrae.
0: Yep, that pretty much happened to me. I broke my fifth and sixth vertebrae, vertebrae diving, in, diving into a lake. So you've been injured a bit longer than me. So gosh, so 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 okay. So what do you have your wrist movement and stuff, and you use a power chair, right? Uh,
4: yeah, I um. Uh, early on, in my, when I first got injured, I was in a manual wheelchair. Yeah.
0: Okay.
4: And uh, and I had to um, get out of that because of more shoulder pain and back pain.
0: Wow! Good for you and for pushing for help.
4: Pushing.
0: I'm always impressed when guys that are C6 levels push themselves like they do. Did you have any power assist back when you were doing it, or was it all you?
4: Oh my gosh! I wish we had power assist back then. Right. No, it was, it was all me, <laughs> all hand power.
0: That's pretty cool. Well, cool. Mm-hmm. And, and nowadays, you're just tooling around in your power chair, and and um, but you look like you're pretty able. Do you, you have a PCA in the morning and stuff as well?
4: I do. I, um, I have someone that comes in in the morning and evening to help me.
0: Yep, same with me. Um, but cool. Well, that's how you live your life independently, right? <laughs> uh,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. That's how I, we do it. As I can.
0: And that's why we, you know, I know when I was first injured, I was so, I hated having PCAs, but once you get kind of used to it, it actually isn't that bad. And, you know, this kind of brings us into living independently and, you know, service dogs, because I know with a lot of people, when they become paralyzed and they go home and they think about having a service dog to kind of help, you know, become more independent was, where did you get like a service dog right away? Was this something that you thought you needed or was it something you kind of worked yourself into as you, you know, as the years went on?
4: Um, no, the idea came up really shortly after I got injured, and I just didn't think uh, it would be something for me. Mm. Um, I'm having a hard enough time taking care of myself. Right, right. Let right alone take care of a dog. And I've just never had a dog before either. Okay. Um, so I didn't know what it would be even like, how hard it would be. But I also, um, I started off playing sports uh, shortly after I got injured.
2: Oh, okay, cool. And
4: so I played basketball at, um, University of Wisconsin, Whitewater. Oh, wow. Um, really? As, as C5-6 and was a C five, six quadriplegic. How? Not, uh, yeah.
0: How are you doing not that?
4: Recommended. How
0: in the hell are you throwing the basketball with no triceps?
4: Yeah. Don't even give me the ball. <laughs> um, I was, <laughs> I basically did the same thing mm-hmm. I did when I played rugby, um, okay. picking, um, and just not able to hit the person. Cool. Um, but yeah, you're just basically picking and setting screens so you can give it, making room for your for the ball handlers to shoot the ball.
0: Oh, that's still, you're still an integral part of the team. So how long did you play basketball for?
4: I played for two years.
0: Okay, not too long. I bet you played... Was quad rugby... Right did you do quad rugby for a longer time?
4: Um, well, I, that was in Wisconsin when I played basketball. I moved to uh, about five years after I got injured. Um I moved to California. I dropped out of college and and moved to California, and uh, Hmm. that's where I started to play rugby.
0: Okay. So you, like, moved to California and started living like a hippie kind of, did you? Because that sounds like, well, that's what I would do if I moved to California.
4: (laughs) Trying to get the beach bum life going?
0: Yeah, that sounds like the ultimate, because, you know, coming from the Midwest, like, that's kind of been, like, in the back of my head. Like, I really want to do that, but... That's a whole other podcast, I guess, but I'm really excited that you did that. That So what year did you move out to California? Um, 1991. Oh, my gosh. So that must have been just amazing, right? Warm weather all the time.
4: It was kind of, yeah, it was really, really amazing. Um, just coming out here in all the palm trees and not even thinking it's legal to live in this kind of area. <laughs> uh, coming from Wisconsin.
0: Right. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm.
4: I. But then it it just ended up being real nice being able to do stuff outside or not. The weather doesn't dictate what I really am doing.
0: I know. That's the ultimate. Yeah. So you're out there in Oceanside. You moved out there in 91. And was it easy to kind of integrate yourself into the disability community out there pretty well?
4: Um, Yeah. I started playing wheelchair and rugby. Mm Mm-hmm. Pretty shortly afterwards, so I started getting some friends that see yeah. rugby with.
0: And then I imagine is that where you got the idea for a service dog? Through those gentlemen and ladies?
4: I uh, no. We had um, when I was playing nobody had a service dog. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it, it just wasn't wasn't done. We traveled too much.
0: Right, right.
4: At least I thought we did.
0: Yeah. At
4: the time. Um, you know, it seems like we were gone at a tournament every once a month.
0: That's busy.
2: Uh, yeah.
4: And then, uh, then I was on the USA team also, and so that cool, cool. And also, yeah, there's a lot of lot of time consuming, and so there's really no time for a dog wow. at that.
0: Well, I guess the even after one... I have
4: a dog now, I don't know how, mm-hmm. how we would how we really would have done it. <laughs> bad, yeah. Well,
0: that traveling. well, I guess so, um, I'm just kind of trying to f- ask, um, where did you f- find, uh, who? where did you get the inspiration then to finally, in California, it's like, okay, finally, I want to get my dog.
4: Um, well, after around after 2000, um, I was starting to have a little more problems with my back and shoulder pain and,
2: mm-hmm.
4: and stuff like that, okay. and uh, so I was having, I was getting more and more problems just uh, transferring in and out of my car or, oh, yeah. or just pushing around and so it, it I, I really really slowed down and then I started having more problems even like I would drop something mm-hmm. and uh, like my bedroom floor would be just covered with papers when someone else would come over and I'd have them pick them up and pick them up oh no uh, just because it hurt too much it oh. just too much hurt too much just to try to lean over and pick them up oh, that's... Um. Not good. And so after after that a little bit, I, I mm-hmm. the idea of having a having a service dog kind of came up again.
0: Okay, cool. And yeah, for sure because that's lot what the, more, that's more
4: open to it.
0: Well, that's what they do the best is pick up stuff off the floor. It seems <laughs> <laughs> she,
4: she does a good job at that.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! So um, well, how were yeah? yeah well, how did you go about finding an organization when she decided this was you wanted to get serious about it?
4: Well, I um, there, I live in Oceanside, California, which is where one of the six campuses of um, Canine Companions for Independence is.
0: Oh no way! Cool. And
4: so I live. I live less than two miles from the campus, which is <laughs> ideal.
0: Lucky! And wow! So,
4: yeah. So really, and so yeah, once I looked into that, looked into Canine Companions for Independence, I. I realized they're just a really good organization, and uh, cool. Oh man, started the paperwork.
0: So that's what—that's kind of what other people have been saying too. It's just a matter of finding an organization that you can basically travel to because you do have to make sure you can get there in person, right? That's key.
4: Yes, yeah, and that's yeah. That is one of the one of the problems with having a you know a base that in a certain spot. If you mm-hmm. If you're living for Oceanside's campus, they cover um, New Mexico, oh, wow. Arizona, Nevada, wow. um, Colorado. They do. And so, wow. These, yeah, so people that are in those areas that they have to come to the Oceanside campus to get a service dog. Man. and that's that can be difficult. One of the nice things is the campus has. Um, i think it's 12 dorm rooms really and so when you do come here to go to to get a dog they do have you know you don't have to pay um for room and board because they pretty much feed you and
0: wow that's awesome uh, give you a room so that is nice so you have to live in their area basically all those states you just said if you want to go to the oceanside one right that's kind of the rule
4: uh, yeah there's six campuses around the United States and okay. there's you know the, the United States is broken up to so okay. each campus has
0: so has their own so that's areas. cool and so if you don't mind sharing like what was the what was like the wait time like and what was I know I've heard from other people like you have to go in there for a month sometimes so they can basically parry with the dog and that kind of thing
4: um a month long at sounds more like a guide dog okay yeah or, I mean, for the blind yeah. or maybe even a hearing dog okay something like that it's a for canine companions for yeah. independence a service dog you go into a um a two-week training class
0: okay two weeks that's not and, that bad um, yeah and so you have to yeah. and that's the where that's why they need the dorms because you're there for just the two weeks though right Right. Okay. And do they know when you come in which dog they're going to pair you with, or is that part of the process? They want to see which dogs work well with you.
4: They have an idea,
0: mm-hmm.
4: and it's going to be at least two or three dogs okay. that are ready that you that could go to you. Really. Um, wow. Because if you go and there's a some problem with the first match, um, they want a backup. Yeah. My gosh. Uh, so that.
0: That's crazy, and so do they, do they, you, do you have any input, um, did you have any input on the dog that you got? Like, I know they ask you all these questions, do they ask what kind of dog you want, or what, what or what kind of, you know, height or that kind of thing, or do they choose that for you?
4: Um, you can sort of request uh, basic things. Okay. I guess, like height or something like that. I'm I'm starting the process for my third dog.
0: Oh, really? Oh, and, Okay. Um,
4: yeah. And, but yeah, Nara is nine and a half years old right now. Oh, she is. is. I'm wanting her her to retire in about a year. So she'll be, you know, in her 10th year.
0: That's crazy. And she'll be healthy. And still have some nice retirement years ahead of her, Right yes that's the, <laughs> that's the hope that's the hope that's uh, the hope i know i think i was talking to someone else for the show and she also has a dog that's getting older and she said that you can kind of tell when a service dog is ready to retire because they just don't want to do the stuff they used to do anymore is that kind of happening with nara um yeah
4: some of the i'll, I'll put her vest on and leash and and get it all ready to go and we're i'm ready to leave the house and i'll turn around and grab something and i'll head to the door and i'll look and she'll be in her bed it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> a little heartbreaking sometimes um i bet it is yeah, yeah, yeah. i, I, I can they will tell you and they'll tell you when they're done yeah well, uh, and too tired to do in our or that kind of thing, and she's, she's giving me little signs here well, and there. Well,
0: this is the question I have for you. Okay. I, I'm always curious. So, once you part ways, do you get to keep her, or do you have to give her all back?
4: With canine companions, we have I have first choice of whether I want to adopt her uh-huh. or find find someone to adopt her. Okay. My first dog, Cinnamon. My first dog, Cinnamon. Um, she had to retire when she was five. Because of a liver failure.
0: Oh my God! Wow. That's, and her
4: and her medical needs got too much for me to be able to handle with all the pills and everything. Right. Yeah. Um. And so one of my caregivers um adopted her.
0: Oh, that's nice. That's
4: nice. Was and she lived for about nine more months. Oh
0: I man. Think it was. That's so sad. Oh God. Love, yeah. Cinnamon didn't live to be. It was a good oh.
4: nine months though. I mean, she wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was she was slow and and you know having her liver problems, but she was a good happy nine months. All
0: right. So. Well, that's a good way to end some a dog's life as long as it was happy. So, how about Nara? What's yeah. your plan with her?
4: Nara is a different plan. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't suggest me adopting her mm-hmm. and then getting another service dog, and I really find that in my life, I, I a service dog is really nice to have. Oh yeah. Um, it's just you know, makes life a lot easier. Yeah. And so I, I'm going to be, I'm going for another service dog right away.
0: Yeah, you have to. And
4: so, and so I'm not going to adopt her and she is, um, her puppy raisers that are live in Albuquerque, New Mexico have offered to adopt her.
2: That's cool. And so that's the,
4: that's the direction we are going. So she's going to go back home.
2: Oh, Um, they actually have, her mom
4: is 12 years old.
2: Oh my gosh. And when
4: she, and when she retired from the Canine Companion um, breeding program at, I think, age five, yeah, um, they adopted, they adopted <laughs> her, and she went back to live with them also. So um. they have her mom at age 12 right now, and um, it'd be nice to get Nara. Um, when Nara does retire to, yeah. to get those two together again.
0: That sounds like a really great kind of conclusion to her, you know, to have her life like that at, at the end of it be there with that that's a lovely thing I think for, yeah. hopefully she'll live many years yeah, there too did,
4: I, yeah. I did see them a couple months ago and it was like for first time in four years I think it was yeah And they uh, saw them at Newport Beach Pier. So it was kind of crowded and busy. And I told them just to stand there and not make any movements or stare at Nara or anything. Yeah. And just to see what her reaction and see if she recognized them or anything. Yeah. And so I walked past them with Nara. And as I'm walking past, Nara Nara smelled them. and turned her head right towards them as we were walking past (laughs) and pretty much put her nose right on
2: on Karen's leg. Oh, that's so cute.
4: And it was about two steps later, Nara just turned around, and went low to the ground and went to her.
0: Oh, she recognized her. her. That is so and cool. And
4: it, it, it looked like I wish we would have videoed it because it was like one of those <laughs> m- when the military when the military guys come home yeah. and they see their dogs for the first time, and the dog just goes crazy. I,
0: I love those um, videos. It was, so, yeah.
4: it was one of them. It was one of those videos, and Aww. so that, that really that really sealed the deal on. That's that perfect. Going to go to New Mexico, go back, go back home.
0: I think that's awesome. She'll be happy there. I mean, I, I, that's so cool. Yeah. So, okay, so well, you were saying earlier about how she's so integral, or having a service dog is so important now in your life. Okay, I'm going to ask you this question now. What are three? What are the top three things the service dog does for you? If you can name the top
4: three. Top three things. Yeah. Uh, well, our number one main job is to just pick things up off the ground. Right. I'll drop my phone, my keys. Uh, you're, you're, you're a C6. Oh, yeah. Every you day. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Every day, all day. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Every day, all day. You know and it. Times <laughs> and she'll, hand me my, she'll hand me my phone, and I'll drop it. Uh, she'll hand my phone, I'll drop it. <laughs> and she'll hand my phone, I'll drop it. And then she'll look at me and go, are you serious? <laughs>
0: oh, that's funny.
4: So... so Yeah, picking things up off the ground for me is number one.
0: Okay.
4: Um, Number two, uh, she can, um, like a door that has a a door lever, Uh like that you and I can use a lot easier. Yep. Um, She can open those kind of doors.
2: That's good.
4: And so having her go ahead of me and open those doors uh, makes it a lot easier than having to lean forward and oh man and push the handle.
0: That would be nice. Um, I can see that being nice.
4: So that yeah, so that makes it a lot easier, especially if someone knocks on the door. I don't have to go answer it. <laughs> you will. Very yeah. nice.
0: Yeah, go get the door.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, number three. What is the yeah. third thing that? She,
0: That you would be that lost without if you did not have a service dog anymore.
4: Well, one of the nice things is that in the middle of the night, if I drop my remote control off the bed.
2: Oh,
4: yeah, um, yeah. I
0: I don't have to sleep with the television on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, I have been there before. That is very, that's a very, very good thing to have, I bet. Wow. Because no reacher from the bed will reach the floor. I've tried. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah,
4: yeah I know what, how far it falls or where it slides under the bed or something.
0: See, my quad brain is going, well, what if, like, the remote gets stuck between the wheelchair and the bed and then the dog can't get to the remote? Like, you know? What do the dogs do then? Um, is she pretty creative? Is Nara, I, I guess that my question is, is Nara or service dogs in general pretty good at, like, getting around places to get to what they need to get for you?
4: They're pretty good about doing it. Um, there, there could be some spots where right. she might not be able to get to.
0: But they try their uh, hardest. But yeah,
4: she's pretty good about it. She's Aww. crawled under my van to get my keys.
0: Oh, my God. She'll, she'll see? Yes.
4: Got a, little, got a little greasy and dirty,
0: but
4: that's okay. <laughs> oh, Maybe you can't take her
0: to a bathroom. Right oh, away. Nara has served okay. you so good, man. She served you like a champ for all these years. What a dearie. Oh, that is so cool. Well, I hey. I, I, one day, you know, I've been paralyzed for 27 years and I haven't got a service dog yet, but I, I just turned 40 and I'm thinking about getting one. So I, it's really fun to, like, talk to people and their experiences. I seems like everybody, every quad I've talked to that's gotten a service dog will not ever go back to not having one. And I think that, to me, is the most important takeaway that I've gotten from talking to these people, you know? um yeah yeah i was gonna say too um i guess what would you for like for me example what would you recommend for me or for anyone else that you know wants to get a service dog what are some things you should maybe ask yourself before you get a service dog like to make sure you're ready for one? Oh wow uh because yeah. i don't want to like get one and go oh not ready because that would be pretty immature of me you know
4: I don't know. I, 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 hmm.
0: I know. It's a deep question, isn't it? Because that's why I've, I've, like, been hesitant all these years, because I don't want to get a dog and then not like it, right? Or, um, But I guess the there's a process no, well, involved.
4: What are your fears? Well, there's And a, the question's on to you.
0: Yeah, the fears are definitely there. They're like, you know, um, what if the dog gets annoying? Because I'm not a huge animal fan all the time, you know, what if I don't want the dog around me all the time? That's number one. And then, you know, you do have to pick up after it all the time, and I'm not a big fan of doing that. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things, really. So, but I, I do like dogs most of the time, but sometimes I just need my space. Yeah. Sounds kind of mean, doesn't it? Uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I understand that. Yeah.
4: Um, well, I... Cinnamon, my first dog, would have had no problem leaving you
0: alone.
4: Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you would be asking the, that kind of personality in the dog. That right. they don't. That they're not. I don't want to hurt. affectionate or not, something well, like that. Maybe well, I don't, don't want to
0: hurt their they feelings. Because like they put so much, 24,000 I heard, it's put into some of these animals. And, and then I'm like, well, I don't well, think I'll use it all the time. But maybe she, the dog won't bored I don't know those are the worries I have um, too
4: canine, canine companions mm-hmm. uh, talks um, it's uh, they, they say it's $50,000 oh wow to raise a dog from the beginning through retirement till, okay. till they retire
0: that's okay
4: um, it, cost, it costs about $50,000 that's a big deal um, t- yeah canine companions obviously the dogs they give they give their, they give their dogs free of charge
0: that's great wow Really? Wow. See, and that's, that's the great thing. I, the two other organizations that I was talking to from other people that are going to be on the show, they, um, had to pay some money for theirs and fundraise and stuff. So that's pretty cool that canine, um, it's canine companions for independence, right? That's the full name.
4: Yeah. Yeah. CCI. CCI.
0: And that's great. They must do a lot of fundraisers throughout the year to be able to give their dogs away for free, huh?
4: Um, they do. It's, it's a big it's, a, it's a big organization, and wow. they, they has a lot of donors. Um, there's no government assistance. It's all oh, it's cool. all on volunteers and donors
0: that's awesome and, um, and one last question since I think a lot of people are always worried you know when you take um, Nara out in public and stuff and, and if someone wants to come up and talk, and talk to you about her or pet her what's like a good response to like tell someone if they're you know maybe getting a little bit too close
4: or something like that I don't normally have a problem okay um it, it it's almost more of a problem to try to stop it. Okay. <laughs> um, and too much energy on my end. And,
2: oh.
4: uh, <laughs> and I and I will explain it to them normally mm-hmm. of why you wouldn't normally pet a service dog. Right. Uh, but you just you just happen to start petting the one. That doesn't mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But there's certain times that you really that they really shouldn't, and then I will get them on. And if I'm if the chair is moving, right. Uh, we're in the middle of something, uh, and she's working. But
0: mm-hmm. normally
4: I I don't mind people petting Nara. Yeah, that's cool. Especially if we're outside. Not in not in restaurants and that kind of stuff. And but.
0: she she's a golden lab or a golden retriever. I couldn't I, f- I forget.
4: She's 75% Golden Retriever, 25% Labrador.
0: Oh, that's kind of cool. That's cool. With
4: Canine Companions, uh, there's a good majority. Most of the dogs that graduate are a mix.
0: Okay. Now, why do they do that?
4: Uh, (laughs) I've heard the theory is that Labradors are considered the working dogs. Okay. And the Golden Retrievers are considered pleasing dogs.
2: Oh, so if
4: you can get a mix and get a dog that wants to work and do a job and and uh, all that, <laughs> that will do it for just to make you happy, where you can just pet them mm. and and to uh, give them praise and 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 uh, that it's um, it makes it a lot easier on uh, like me that I would have a hard time getting traits out every single time for a wow. command, that- but if they just they just happy and 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 uh, and work for just the praise, which is the way it really should be.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, having to give them yeah, a treat. They're
4: happy. They're happy to do their job.
0: That's pretty cool. And is Nara like that? Nara's
4: yeah, Nara's very happy to do her job. She's <laughs> thrilled.
0: But I bet you still use a lot of treats during the day. And did you have to? Like, treats are kind of like essential still. I mean, are they? are are, do, are they not? I don't know with you.
4: No. They're really? not.
0: Oh my God.
4: Treats do not equal love.
0: I love that. Okay, because I always uh, think a dog must really like you when it, she doesn't need a treat, then.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they, you know, mm-hmm. it, uh, we're mm-hmm. with Canine um, Companions, and I'm assuming other organizations out there do the same, and they're, they're really concerned about the health of their, their dogs. And keeping them at a certain weight, and so if we're treating. Oh right! Uh, Shoot. We're pretty much, you know, we were taught during class that you know for treating, maybe take take kibble out, mm-hmm. and use that as the treat. Ah, uh, so good he, idea. He doesn't need beef jerky or anything fancy. She loves kibble.
0: What's kibble? And so
4: when we do training. Uh, we do some kibble.
0: Is kibble just the short for kibbles and bits, the dog food?
4: Uh, uh, mm. Kibble is the uh, hard to dry dog food. Oh, those little beef. Any, any brand.
0: Ah, the little tiny little brown nugget things. Yeah. Those things. Okay. Yeah, those are... I, yeah. I, I saw another guy using those. I mean, I know that's what they use most of the time, but that's cool. I'm glad that Nara is a good combination. I, that's a pretty cool. So, I imagine, oh, though, when they, um, they they must... Canines for companions, they probably study those little dogs, and they can see right away if that dog's going to be a good combo or not, huh?
4: They they really have it down to a science yeah. on, on what dogs could make it and what dogs don't, and,
0: and the ones that don't? Uh, how,
4: how the matching process happens, because they, they learn the, the interview process and, and doing all the paperwork to, to get okayed to get the service dog, is they learn so much about me, and then they know everything about that dog from birth. They have paperwork on um, everything they, that dog has done, and so they they try to match the dog with the person and the job that they're going to have to do. That's pretty, that's so pretty cool. What, yes. if,
0: what if they get a puppy that they don't think would be a good service dog? Do they just give them back to the breeder or wherever,
4: like in New Mexico? Uh, if, they, if they get a dog and, they, and it's not good for their, and not going to work as a service dog,
0: mm-hmm.
4: um, but they do notice it has a, a good tendency for some other organization. Um, like bomb sniffing or that kind of oh
2: yeah
4: um, going into not even being a surf dog but in some sort cool. of other working position
2: yeah um,
4: they will they will give the dogs um, to other organizations if they notice this dog has a, a proficiency of of being able to sniff things out or that's other things.
0: that's awesome all right. Well, I think uh, I, otherwise, yeah. they,
4: otherwise they get into change of career, <laughs> and they get just get released from the program, and the puppy raiser has first choice of adopting or finding a home. Also,
0: that's awesome. Well, I'm glad that they they have it, it all figured out so well over there. That's a great organization, and I honestly, if so I'm gonna probably have to end the conversation right here because we ran over time, but I know if anyone out there is listening and they're from you know, California and if they want to ask you any questions, is there any way people can get in touch with you if you want to share that? Um, we can maybe find you on Facebook or do you have an email address? Because just, uh, if you don't, you don't have to share either.
4: Okay. No, 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 I got no problem with that. Uh, if someone wants, has any questions, yeah, you can email me definitely Yeah, at Daniel, it's at Cinnamon at gmail.com. That's fabulous. So, all spelled out. I love that. That's an easy one. D-A-N-I-E-L-A-N-D-C-I-N-N-A-M-O-N at gmail.com. All
0: right. Got it. Thank you so much. And I hope that you find another great service dog next year and that the, the, swi- the, the switching off of Nara to her original um, people goes well. So thank you again.
4: I think it's going to be splendid.
0: I think it will, too. Thank you. All right. Have a great day down there in Oceanside.
4: Thank you. You, too.
0: All right. Bye.